Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Okay, good afternoon everyone and welcome to the Open Data Institute. My name is Anna Scott and today we're delighted to have Jeremy Lilly, who is the policy manager at Tech UK and has braved the cold to come and talk to us about securing data flows post-Brexit. If you have any questions, please tweet them with the hashtag ODI Fridays and we'll be sure to ask them at the end. Great. Thanks, Anna, and thanks to the Open Data Institute for having me today to talk about securing data flows post-Brexit. It is a very cold day, so um, hopefully there's a few people on the live stream that are um, paying attention and working from home. Um, so, as I say, I'm Jeremy Lilly, the policy manager, one of the policy managers at Tech UK. Tech UK, for those that don't know, is the trade association for tech companies in the UK. We represent just over 950 members, and that ranges from large multinationals right down to digital startups and scale-ups as well. Um, and we range the breadth of the industry from hardware to software and, as I say, large to small companies as well. Uh, I cover all of our policy work on data protections, data protection, sorry, and international data transfers, as well as intellectual property um, and the Digital Single Market Initiative um, in Brussels. Um, but today I'm particularly here to talk to you about the importance of maintaining unhindered data flows between the EU and the UK post-Brexit. This follows a report that Tech UK and UK Finance published towards the end of last year, which addressed this issue. And that paper was a joint effort between ourselves and UK Finance, um, just to demonstrate the importance of this issue to not just the tech sector, but to the entire UK economy, which I'll touch on a bit later. Now, Brexit has caused a huge amount of uncertainty across a range of industries and sectors, um, covering all sorts of issues from environmental issues to um, a whole host of, of other areas where there's a huge amount of uncertainty at the moment. But one of the key areas of concern for the tech sector ever since the referendum result came in is the impact on the ability to transfer personal data between the UK and the EU. Today, I will address a couple of areas within this topic, um, including why it's an issue, why it's such an important issue, what the possible solutions are, and what needs to happen now. And I hope that will give you a bit of a clearer understanding as to why the UK sector, UK tech sector, sees this issue as a number one priority in Brexit negotiations. So firstly, why is this an issue? Well, personal data, which is protected by the EU data protection rules, can flow freely among EU and, crucially, EEA member states, European Economic Area member states. And that is because all of those countries are governed by the same data protection rules, and therefore it is assumed that wherever personal data about citizens resides in the EEA area, that data will receive a suitable and same level of data protection according to EU rules. And the UK, currently as a member of the EU, has benefited and continues to benefit at the moment from that provision, which allows data to flow across borders seamlessly without the need for any additional measures or safeguards to be put in place um, by companies themselves. However, there are restrictions on the transfer of personal data outside of the EU to third countries, as there is no longer that assumption that personal data will receive a suitable amount of data protection once it is no longer held in the EU territory. The restrictions on the transfer of personal data to third countries is set out in both current and upcoming data protection law, including the General Data Protection Regulation, which again I'll touch on in a little bit. However, the crux of the issue is that data cannot flow freely from the countries inside the EU to outside the EU um, to third countries. Now, with the UK leaving the, EE, the EU and presumably the EEA at the same time, and becoming a third country post-Brexit, the UK will no longer be covered by the EU's data protection legal framework. Once considered a third country, the UK will no longer benefit from the provisions that allow the free flow of data across borders without specific mechanisms in place. 
Now, a lot of people ask, well, why is this important? Why is it so important that we maintain those frictionless data flows? And that's because data flows, and the, specifically the free flow of data between the UK and the EU, is crucial and critical for businesses of every size and sector. The UK is a services-oriented economy, with large amounts of personal data attached to the delivery of both services, but also increasingly goods, as goods become increasingly digitised. And therefore, the ability of data to flow between the UK and the EU is a key part of doing business for many companies. And to be clear, this is not just a tech sector issue. Yes, it's a key priority for Tech UK and our members, but it's an issue for any sector or business that does trade or does business with the EU. We live in an increasing digital, global and connected world, and data is at the heart of how organisations trade and do business around the world whether it is delivering financial services, employing people in different countries around the world, um, or manufacturing processes and the automotive industry. All of these sectors increasingly rely on data flows as part of their day-to-day -day operations. And quite simply, trade and data go hand in hand. It is estimated that around 70% or just over 70% of UK trade is underpinned by data flows. And the UK's data-driven revolution is expected to be worth roughly £240 billion to the UK economy by 2020, creating hundreds of thousands of new jobs. But for that to be achieved, data, is going, data crossing borders is going to be a key part of that. Now, the UK is currently a world leader in both data and acts as a hub for international data flows. Compared to the UK representing just over 3% of global GDP, the UK accounts for 11.5% of global data flows and 75% of those are between the UK and the EU. Ensuring, UK, ensuring that data can continue to flow between the UK and the EU is a crucial element in the UK retaining that position as a world leader. It's also important for business certainty. The continued flow of data based on a clear, stable and legal mechanism between the UK and the EU is absolutely fundamental to the future of the UK's digital economy and companies must be clear about the legal basis upon which they are transferring that data between the UK and the EU. So what are the possible solutions? And once the UK becomes a third country and for other third countries um, already out there, there are a number of ways of facilitating data transfers from the EU. Both current and forthcoming data protection rules under the GDPR set out a number of mechanisms which allow that data to be transferred to a third country. But there is realistically only one which offers a suitable solution for the UK economy, which I'll touch on in a second. The other possible mechanisms include something called standard contractual clauses, or SCCs. SECs allow individual companies to insert clauses into their business contracts, which demonstrate that at company level, they provide a suitable level of protection to the data they receive from the EU in line with EU rules. However, these are costly, burdensome and require expensive legal expertise and ultimately shift the responsibility onto the company rather than um, developing a country-wide solution. There is also the crucial fact that currently SCCs, standard contractual clauses, are currently under significant legal challenge and their future viability to facilitate data, tra data transfer sorry, is in question. Now there's also, for large multinational companies, the possibility of using something called binding corporate rules, um, or BCRs, which allow for intra-group transfers of personal data. However, these are, as I say, only appropriate for large multinational companies, and even then they are incredibly complicated and expensive to implement. There are only, I think it's 89 binding corporate rules established in the EU um, in compared to the number of multinational companies that operate. That is quite a small number demonstrating their complexity be, to be put in place. These simply do not offer a viable solution for the continued free flow of data between the EU and the UK. 
There are also, theoretically, under the GDPR, which is coming in on the 25th of May of this year, there are theoretically codes of conduct and certification schemes which could allow the transfer of data, again based on demonstrating company-level compliance. However, actually, this is simply theoretical at the moment because there are no such codes or certificates that exist. So therefore, the only viable solution to maintaining the frictionless flow of personal data is what is called an adequacy decision. Adequacy decisions, once given, allow data to flow freely between the EU and the third country, with no additional safeguards required at company level. This is the most appropriate solution, particularly for SMEs who rely on data flows and can't implement the other alternative safeguards that are available. Now, the UK government has committed to seeking an adequacy-like agreement with the EU, which we very much welcome. So what needs to happen now to get an adequacy decision and support the continued free flow of data and the UK's digital economy? Well, adequacy decisions are granted by the European Commission to third countries if the Commission determines that that country provides an essentially equivalent level of data protection to the EU and therefore considers that that country is a suitable and a safe place for EU data to be held. Once granted, data can flow freely to that third country. This involves an assessment of the third country's data protection regime in whole and considers the level of data protection offered in that country. The UK will therefore have to apply to the European Commission to have such an assessment to determine whether the UK's data protection framework is considered suitable and equivalent to the EU's. At first glance, this may seem obvious. The UK has been involved in and followed EU data protection practices for many years and has indeed been a key influencer over the EU's approach to data protection, particularly with the negotiations of the GDPR over the last few years. And the UK is rightly implementing the EU GDPR, which is something that Tech UK called for immediately after the EU referendum result to continue that commitment to implement GDPR and retaining it into the future. This is an important step in demonstrating to the EU that the UK will have an adequate level of data data protection post-Brexit. It would therefore appear logical that considering the UK will have an almost identical regime to the EU, that it should be granted adequacy easily. However, there are inevitably complications. The assessment of third countries' data protection regimes takes into account the totality of domestic law in that third country, and that includes national security and surveillance laws. This is not the case for EU countries, where national security is considered a member state competence. But that is not the case for third countries, where those areas are considered. And there have been a number of questions relating to the UK's national security laws, particularly in relation to the Investigatory Powers Act and its predecessor, RIPA. Now, RIPA was ruled illegal by the European Court of Justice last year, and this this could prove to be a significant sticking point in the Commission agreeing to UK adequacy. It is important that the UK government considers fully the implications of its surveillance laws and the impact that that could have on adequacy. So while GDPR implementation is important, and we very much welcome the steps the UK government is taking to implement GDPR through the Data Protection Bill as it moves through Parliament at the moment, the Commission will be looking very closely at how the UK implements GDPR, but that is not the only piece of the puzzle. Also related to GDPR implementation um, is that there has been some talk by Cabinet Ministers in recent months that data protection is an area that we could potentially diverge on from the EU post-Brexit and that it might be easier to secure forward-thinking, innovative trade deals with other countries, particularly the US, um, post-Brexit, as we look to trade around the world as the UK. And that's a laudable aim to develop tradable trade um, agreements around the world once we leave the EU. However, Tech UK is quite clear that diverging on data and data protection is both a bad idea in itself, but also that it's entirely unnecessary to secure future trade deals, for example, with with the US. 
for the US and the EU currently have a data transfer arrangement based on EU data protection rules, which is known as the EU-US Privacy Shield, which is a type of adequacy agreement. And that allows data to flow across the Atlantic between the EU and the US. So diverging away from GDPR and the EU approach to data protection would not offer significant benefits in future free trade agreements and is not something that Tech UK believes um, we should, cons- should consider. And indeed, it is not UK government policy to diverge on data protection. And there have been commitments, welcome commitments, that we will maintain alignment on data protection. This also brings me to another aspect of the adequacy process itself, which is that the UK, the U- that the UK will have to consider when negotiating with the EU. A key part of gaining adequacy is an assessment of that third country's onward transfer provisions, which are the provisions that third country has in place for transferring data to other third countries. If the EU considers a third country to be transferring data to a country that it itself does not consider adequate, then that will impact on the Commission's decision whether or not to grant that country with adequacy. So the UK will have to consider its onward transfer provisions um, as part of its negotiations with the EU. And also, as part of that, the UK will have to decide what it plans to do with the other 11 adequacy decisions that already exist with the EU. There are adequacy decisions with Argentina, um, with, um, with New Zealand, with um, a num- Canada, a number of other important trading countries for the, uh, for the UK. And the UK government will have to determine what it plans to do with those adequacy decisions that are also already in place. And that also includes that EU-US privacy shield to continue the data flows between the UK and the US. Finally, in relation to the adequacy process itself, things will be slightly different for the UK. As the UK is rightly implementing GDPR, it will also be implementing the same provisions around data transfers to third countries as the EU has, i.e. the UK will have to determine the adequacy of third countries itself, including the EU. That is why Tech UK, and we called for this in our report with UK Finance, in our report called No Interruptions, that we must be calling for a a mutual adequacy decision between the UK and the EU to enable data to flow both ways and that both the UK and the EU determine each other's data protection regimes as adequate. This is an important part of the Brexit negotiations, and we are very clear that there are just as many benefits for the EU27 to be able to continue the data flows with the UK as it is the other way round. The UK achieving adequacy is important so that EU services can continue to be delivered in the UK and vice versa. And the UK is a key market for the future European data economy. So it is very much a two-way, two-way flow of data and therefore we need mutual adequacy decisions as part of this process. Now, the process of agreeing adequacy decisions is not a quick one. The quickest adequacy decision granted was with Argentina, which took 18 months. The clock is ticking on Brexit negotiations more, generally, more widely and we will, in all likelihood, require a transitional period of some time um, to ensure that a full adequacy agreement can be reached. We have recently seen the UK government's proposals in response to the EU Commission's um, proposals for a transition period, and some clarity is still needed on what specifically those negotiation proposals mean for data and whether the UK will be treated as a third country during the transition. If it is treated as a full third country, then we need to make sure that there is some mechanism in place to ensure that we do not reach a cliff edge on Brexit Day itself. There can be no gap between the current free flow of data that the UK enjoys and the future partnership hopefully built on adequacy once um, the transition period is complete. So we must ensure that the transition period covers um, the period in between and that the continued free flow of data takes place. So how do things stand in current negotiations? Well, agreeing, I've been quite clear um, a number of times in speaking to both UK government officials um, and, and with the EU as well, that agreeing the future free flow of, 
free flow of data between the UK and the EU must be a top priority for phase two of Brexit negotiations. And all the things and more, for all the reasons and more I've mentioned above. Um, the UK put forward a proposal last summer on negotiating an adequacy-like agreement with the EU to allow the continued free flow of data. And indeed, this proposal was even more ambitious than simply seeking an adequacy agreement, as it seeks for an ongoing role for the Information Commissioner on the European Data Protection Board once it is established under GDPR. Tech UK very much support that aim, as it will offer significant benefits to UK companies to have an ongoing presence of the UK regulator, which has always been well respected throughout Europe as a pragmatic voice around that data protection table. Um, it'd also be good for EU countries, given the historic role of the ICO and the resources that we'll offer to the board. The ICO has often taken a lead in developing principles on papers and policy approaches to future data protection. And it's important that the UK maintains influence and involvement in that process. There will also, GDPR itself is not static. Data protection is not static. There will be in the future uh, different approaches to data protection. And we very much want the UK to continue to be able to influence the, the direction of travel within the EU and the European approach to data protection. So we very much support the aim of the UK government to have a role for the ICO on the European Data Protection Board. So just to wrap up, the continued free flow of data between the EU and the UK must be a top priority for Brexit negotiations, and it is certainly the top priority for the tech sector. This issue is simply too important for politics to, disru to disrupt it, um, and the importance of it to businesses and consumers cannot be underestimated. The work on agreeing mutual adequacy decisions and ideally a continued role for the ICO on the European Data Protection Board should start as soon as possible. Official government policy in this area is right and a lot of good work has been done and conducted, particularly by DCMS, and I would encourage all of government to continue to support the aim of securing adequacy. It was also particularly reassuring to hear the Prime Minister's Munich speech recently on security, a future security relationship with the EU, where she said the UK was ready to start work with the Commission on this particular issue. We would now like the same offer from the EU so negotiations can begin on securing mutual adequacy. Of course, a lot of this is wrapped up in wider Brexit politics, but ensuring the free flow of data must be a top priority within that. Thank you. And I'd now be happy to take any questions. I'm sure there'll be a few questions uh, coming in from Twitter. But in the meantime, I'd like to ask what you think the sort of three hardest hitting impacts would be of the free flow of data being compromised in the first place. So the three, um, the three sort of biggest impacts, uh, for, a, for a start, it would require... So when we, there is a slight level of precedence over this. We had, when um, you may be familiar with the old safe harbour regime, which was the predecessor to uh, the Privacy Shield, and that was struck down following a legal challenge by um, Max Schrems, um, and it was struck down by the European Court of Justice. And overnight, companies suddenly didn't have a legal basis to transfer data between the EU and the US. Now, anecdotally, I've spoken to a number of companies that were severely impacted by that. And uh, one company that I know of actually had to put in place two million standard contractual clauses so that it could continue its operations between the EU and the US. That is a huge undertaking. It might, to an extent, it might be a papering exercise, but it's a huge papering exercise and one which takes up huge resources. So companies would have to, as a first priority, would have to establish a, a different legal base um, to continue those data transfers. Ultimately, if it was determined that uh, that was unsuitable or unviable, 
it could lead to um, particularly UK-based companies having to relocate um, outside of the UK. If it can no longer, if the UK is no longer able to service the EU market, there may there there are significantly less benefits, and the UK becomes a less attractive place for data-driven businesses, particularly startups who are very mobile and can move um, at the drop of a hat, realistically, if they need to, to move to make sure their data is being processed in the in the EU, and that would have a major knock-on effect on the UK's data center. Um, a, a data centre sector, which L- London, I believe, off the top of my head, is um, the second largest market for data centres in the world, second only to um, to the US. Um, so that would be a key key inhibitor there. Um, and, and thirdly, it would one of the key areas would be with GDPR coming into place. If there's within GDPR, there's the consistency mechanism and the one-stop shop, which is a key part of GDPR in main, in creating some level of harmonisation across Europe. And so this is slightly more related to the, as well as having adequacy, ideally the ICO being on the board, is that hopefully the UK will be able to maintain membership of the one-stop shop and the consistency mechanism. Because otherwise we could, the UK again becomes a less attractive place because the level of fines will be different and you have to deal with multiple regulators and just the regulatory landscape in the UK becomes a lot more complicated. Um, so they, they're three sort of, of the key issues really. Thank you. Does anyone have a question? Um... Okay, we've got one from Peter Wells uh, from the ODI, but he's not here currently. <laughs> um, he asks, what percentage chance do you put on there being no disruption to brackets personal data flows between UK and other countries during the Brexit process? Um, so, I mean, in terms of chances of securing um, an adequacy agreement generally so that that data continues to flow, which I think is... Um, what Peter means, um, I think, think there is quite a high chance. I mean, it is, as I, as I mentioned, it is in the interest of the EU to resolve this issue as well. Date, that data is, is two ways. There are difficult questions that will have to be dealt with during the negotiations, particularly around elements of national security. And, and in speaking to government about this, they realise the challenges that they face and they are um, putting a lot of work in place um, to, to deal with some of those concerns. And there was recently a consultation from the Home Office which dealt with the, um, with the legal ruling against Ripper. The slight concern with that was that there were certain areas carved out of that consultation which relate directly to the adequacy process. So there are those sort of potential hiccups along the way, but I think it is also tied up in the wider Brexit politics. As I say, it will be part of broader negotiations and, um, and where it fits. It's not exactly clear where it fits in that broader and broader EU exit approach. Um, I think the chances of maintaining data flows are quite high. I'm quite confident. Um, that level of confidence varies depending on who I'm talking to, to be perfectly honest, and sort of the stage and, and the wider political context um, as well. Um, there's also no reason the UK will have a general European data protection framework post-Brexit. It will have the GDPR. Um, so it's relations with other countries as well as part of that. GDPR has global reach and is increasingly being seen as the gold standard when it comes to data protection. And so it's important that the UK remains within that fold. And that will place the UK in a positive position to maintain that global leadership. There is also the point that the UK is, is partly a hub for global data transfers because a lot of the mechanics um, come into the UK, the transatlantic cables come into the UK. So the UK is an important staging post, um, if nothing else, for data, particularly coming from the US into the rest of the EU. Um, so for that strategic and logistical reason alone, I think it's um, imperative for, for negotiators that they realise that this is an issue. So I feel quite confident that, that we'll find a solution. So Tech UK are making this point really clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that in general, data as a sort of subject within the Brexit negotiations is 
is considered important enough or do you feel like it's competing with other areas? I mean, there are a lot of areas to be dealt with in, in Brexit negotiations. It's, as many people have said, it's going to be one of the, the most complicated and significant negotiations sort of historic ever, um, particularly for the, for the UK. Um, I think over the last sort of six months, 12 months, it really has been raised up the agenda of particularly UK um, policymakers and, and officials. They really do take this issue seriously. Um, in the original... Um, just, just after the referendum, we made clear that this was one of our top priorities and there was a sense that really we did, the government didn't maybe appreciate how serious it was. They do now. Um, they, they, it took quite a lot of work. We had to publish sort of case studies and reports and we had to do quite a lot of education around just how important this was. Again, as I mentioned, not just for the tech sector, but we've been talking to UK Finance, um, the Federation of Small Businesses, the other industry associations to highlight the importance to their members as well, that this is a cross-sector issue, not just for the UK. And I think that level of awareness very much exists now, and I think over the last 12 months, um, um, and particularly over the last six months, really, um, it's really been appreciated within UK government how important this is. And so I know we know that, um, and the Prime Minister mentioned it in her speech a couple of weeks ago, that the UK is ready to start negotiations on this, and it's now kind of up to the EU to, um, to get into that position as well. The EU takes this takes data protection incredibly seriously, and this is um, one of the, um, one, the, potentially one of the issues with the negotiations, particularly in the European Parliament. They place a very strong fundamental right to data protection and they believe very very strongly in that so they'll be paying attention to this very very closely um, and the commission put out a few weeks ago a sort of notice to stakeholders it was called reminding everyone of the um, rules for third countries and for the UK once it leaves the EU um, so I think it is it is up there on the agenda and I very much hope it will be one of the first issues that's addressed once we eventually move on to the future partnership some reports and case studies are they fairly accessible yeah they're all on the tech uk's website um so our report our most recent report no interruptions with uk finance which we worked with the law firm dentons on um is is on our website along along with the case studies and stuff i'm happy to follow up with links and things um to put them on the odr website brilliant thank you well unless there are any other questions um i think we can wrap up um so thank you so much That's um i'll come over here so i'm in <laughs> If you'd like to join us next week, we have a lecture on where the suits meet the sneakers, so about collaboration between startups and corporate groups and so on. So thank you very much for joining us and see you again next week. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.